Hi, and welcome to episode 114 of No Crying in Baseball, the Let the Kids Play episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Happy holidays. Actually, happy Hanukkah. Tonight is the first night of Hanukkah as we record. Happy Hanukkah. And then it'll be Christmas before we're together again. So happy Christmas to those who celebrate. Look at us. We got the whole all the holidays covered. But don't you all worry. We are going to keep recording. We have figured out where there's a will, there's a way. We're going to keep these uh, podcasts coming even through the holidays. Wow. So wait a minute. This is going to be like a Christmas morning present to people, right? It will be. That's right. So those of you who Merry open Christmas. presents on Christmas morning and then all of a sudden there's nothing to do because all the presents are open, hang on till noon because there'll be an episode. Or if you're like, oh, fuck, I forgot to get a present for like Aunt Selma, just say, oh, no crying in baseball podcast. Here's Here how is. to find them. <laughs> Let's celebrate all together. On today's show, it turns out we just might like Garrett Cole, surprising everyone. On our boyfriends today, we're kind of having on the Let the Kids Play Guys, and I find a way to cross-train with hockey as part of the boyfriend segment. We're going to do a stats lesson on OPS Plus, and also, what do people mean when they say ballpark factors? MLB profits, we might just say the word capitalism again, and MLB programs for youth, using those powers for good, and finally, catching up on winter baseball. We have a lot of stuff going on today, including hot stove announcements. The stove is hot this year. Yeah, we're not waiting until like February when after everybody already reports, things are happening when they're supposed to be happening. Which is pretty exciting, um, except for I'm not totally excited about what the Yankees are doing, which is making some killer moves, including signing Garrett Cole. And my my Yankees buddy, Santiago, pointed out to me that with his contract, he will be making $1 million every game he pitches. Nice work if you can get it. Yeah, I didn't do the math, but I'm just going to trust in it. So the, the, other, the cute thing about it, though, I, I mean, I kind of had to give this to him. I guess Garrett Cole grew up a Yankees fan, and he actually still had the sign of uh, when he was a kid and he was in the stands that said, Yankee fan today, tomorrow, forever. And just that there's a picture of him as a kid holding the sign. He still has the sign that that kind of person should go to the Yankees. So I'm okay. I'm a little bit better with the signing, understanding the backstory. The thing that helps me with that is that I'd only seen the memes where people changed the words on the sign he was holding up. And I didn't know what it really said until you told me just a little while ago. And yeah, it's kind of nice. How do you feel about the haircut? I feel mixed. I, I, I still really hate this Yankees policy of forcing people to shave and cut their hair. It just seems really, I don't know, you know, the dictatorial or something like that. But he seems to have retained a little bit of the curl in the back. Maybe it's going to be all right. I'm just not happy with the policy overall. Yeah. Well, my favorite part about his press conference when he had this huge signing was he thanked Kurt Flood and Marvin Miller. We have mentioned Kurt Flood before. He was the player that actually took this idea of free agency through the courts so that players were not tied to teams forever and made it possible for people like Garrett Cole to make a million dollars per game. And also Marvin Miller was the first president of the Players Association. So these two guys did a lot in their lifetimes to protect players and the well-being of players kind of on the business side. So if you're going to make a shitload of money like Cole is, you might as well like know enough to know why you're able to do that and acknowledge the people who allow you to make a shitload of money. And there's a, a potty mouth language reason that he knows these things. Can I tell you what I it is? I love it. I only swear when it's in between quotation marks. OK, that's not really yeah, true, well, but it gives me an option. Pretty close. So when uh, when Garrett Cole was a rookie with the Pirates, the catcher at the time, John Buck, would pull rookies to the front of the bus and quiz them on baseball 
wall history. And it went something like this. The quote was, as John Buck would say, excuse my language, get your fucking book reports ready, kids. I want to hear about Kurt Flood. I should try that line in class. How do you think that would go with me? Get your fucking book reports ready, kids. I think that would go with you right to the principal's office. <laughs> Just totally a hunch. What else happened on the hot stove? So Cole's not the only dude. And speaking of the hot stove, last year we were waiting for Keiko forever to be signed. And he didn't get signed till what, like June? Like halfway through the season, yep. Yep. So he's already signed with the White Sox. And it's a really good match, I think, as is Gio Gonzalez, um, because he's sort of like the older guy who has been through the whole playoffs World Series thing, being able to work with the younger pitchers and say, this is what it's like. And even if Giolito is actually going to be doing better, I don't know what the 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 order of the, the rotation is going to be, but... You know, there's that word of wisdom there with him. Yeah, well, and the same thing with with, with Gio there. Boy, Gio and Giolito, that's confused a lot of sportscasters uh-huh. there. But the White Sox are starting to make some moves. I'm happy to hear that. I had a boyfriend on the move, too. Jonathan Scope moved again, like, every year, whether we need it or not. Yeah, so he was originally your boyfriend from the Orioles. He was. Right? And now he, I don't even remember where he was last. He's going to the Tigers with CJ Crone for a year. It's a year deal. But, you know, the Tigers we started off with, with our baseball boyfriends, bottom of the barrel. So that they're doing stuff and that the White Sox are doing stuff makes things better for everybody. You know, you had another boyfriend doing stuff. Your recent Reds pick of Nick Senzel just randomly this week decided to go to Scott Boris for his agency. I don't think any of that is random. Hmm. I think he paid attention to the over a billion dollars in contracts that Boris signed What that just last week or so. That's true. In the last two weeks and said, huh, give me some of that pie. Yeah, this has been a Boris season. That's for sure. And Happy you do Boris pick to you. the smart ones. So I that do. like checks for your boyfriend sure. pick. Sure, I sure do. Maybe you won't say that after today. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. (laughs) So speaking of boyfriends, for those of you who are confused about this word, maybe you're listening to us for the first time. We have so many boyfriends on this podcast. The deal is we each get to pick one per team each season. And it's got to be a guy who's not only good on the field, but has something that makes us connect to them. Something cool, something fun. We each have our own little twists on that. But uh, the guy I picked this year for the Blue Jays is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who I was shocked that I hadn't picked already. It seemed like we've talked about him so much. We did. We talked about him. We've talked about his dad. We've talked about his grandma. We've talked a lot about Vlad Jr., but this is nice. We can make it official. You guys can make it official. You're going steady. It, Yeah. All right, Vlad, you're my guy this year. So the other deal is that we have to dump our guys from last year. We still hang on to them lovingly when we talk about them, but we got to just keep the new guys. I had Lourdes Gurriel Jr. last year, Pina, with the cool hair. So hair is definitely a factor in my baseball boyfriend decisions. I think uh, Vlad Jr. does it well. I like his braids. He's doing all right. I think uh, one of the one of the key moments of me falling for him last year also was that home run derby. Oh, that was so much fun to watch. Oh, my God. That was so much fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, we were in Cleveland together. Watching. We, were. we were actually physically in Akron during the der- derby. Cleveland adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. And and sort of explaining to your friends what what was going on, the kind people who let us stay with them. No, pay attention. This is important. And it was so much fun. Well, they kind of got into it. But if you all remember, Guerrero Jr. was just banging home run after home run. And he actually had the record for a single round. And he went into three overtimes against Jock Peterson. It was sort of like, really, Jock? Like, are you really pulling this out at this point? And then he lost, as we all know, to Pete Alonso in the finals. The interesting thing, though, is that 
uh, Guerrero Jr. ended up hitting 91 home runs in the Derby. And I didn't write down the number for Alonzo, but I think it was 50-something, wasn't it? Yeah, well, so Alonzo um, basically didn't have to hit Mm -hmm. as many home runs. And, you know, his strategy was like, great, stop. You know, do what you got to do and stop. But Guerrero was fighting, man. Yeah, he He was fighting. Yeah, I mean, I think he was just toast. Yeah, and his 91 runs beat the last record of 61 by 30, which was by Giancarlo Stanton in 2017. So, yeah, he kind of got my heart a little bit there. And then I found out all these other, like, personal connections, if I can really explain my way around him. So he was the top international free agent in 2015 when he was 16 years old. And he hit his first multi-run game against the Pulaski Yankees, which we visited last year. We love the Pulaski Yankees. The only Yankees we love. Absolutely. I can definitely back that statement up. Uh, So he was the MVP of the Appalachian League this year. And with all this shit talk about minor leagues. That year. That year. year, Right. 2015. Way back then. Um, Yeah. So just like don't fuck with the Appalachian League folks. You know, when they're talking about cutting teams, these teams are really important. Look who's coming out of them. In 2017, he was on the world team for the Futures game. And that was the year that his dad got in the Hall of Fame. So there's a lot of really cute stuff about the parallels between him and his dad. And, you know, everybody's brought up the competition. So I'm going to just try to stick with the positive stuff. Um, He might have come up 18 or the beginning of 19, but he actually missed a whole month in 2018 because he had a leg injury after he played the Akron Ducks. And we were in Akron when we saw him in the Home Run Derby. Don't you see these cosmic connections? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. And and then they're he, crystal clear to me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so the the big question, of course, was where, was he going to come up at the beginning of the season in 2019? And he didn't because they said he had an oblique strain at the beginning of March, which actually kept him out of code. A, I think oblique is code for service time. Yeah, which kind of sucks. But he still like made a huge bang when he came up, and he was the youngest Blue Jay. And here's another like really cool personal. Weird connection. Youngest Blue Jay to hit a home run, breaking Danny Ainge's record. And I was like, what? Danny Ainge? You know, like Celtics coach, ex-player of the Celtics when I was in high school. Isn't it weird that there's the same name? But it wasn't just the same name. Danny Ainge played for the Toronto Blue Jays before he played for the Boston Celtics. I had no clue. Maybe all of you out there are laughing at me, but I really had no idea. Can I just interject that we are going to have two two sport guys mentioned in this episode? Carry on. Foreshadowing for later. Um, So that was only by 18 days. And then his first home run came against Red Sox, Rick Porcello. My team, Red Sox. More connection. His mom's name is Riquelma Ramos. And I just didn't do quite enough research to really understand how much he was with his mom and how much he was with his dad. Because his dad apparently had various... And I'm not sure how many he married. Baby mamas. He has eight kids. I don't know how many moms there are. But uh, Vlad Jr. is one. And I know that he spent a lot of time with his dad, though, because he was born in Canada, actually. Uh, So his mom was with him then. And he traveled around. We've talked about this before with his dad. So I don't know. Somebody else go do that research. I know that he's been playing since he was three years old with a lot of encouragement from his dad. And his first home run in a regulation-sized stadium was when he was 12. So that's pretty fucking amazing. And the day after, or the game after he got that, his dad secretly watched his next game. So his dad knew that he would be too nervous if he actually like <laughs> went to the game, was when, was in the stands 
you know, obviously. So he snuck in, hid, and watched him get yet another home run. Did he put on a fake mustache and get into the dugout? That would I hear that works. Great. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Maybe he's a little bit smart, smarter than that. Uh, Guerrero Jr. had a very different childhood than his father did. And we've talked about that on this podcast before, that Vlad Sr. really grew up incredibly poor in the DR. He didn't have water and electricity in the house that he grew up in. He used lemons instead of baseball for batting practice because they fell off the trees. And at one point, there was a hurricane that blew the roof off of his house, and six people had to stay in one room because that was the only room that was, like, you know, covered from the elements. So despite that, he was able to give his kid a really strong upbringing, and he noticed the baseball early, and he said that it's—the father said this, that it's in your blood just like it happened to me. And to give Vlad Sr. a little bit of airtime and a little bit of credit, he's so given back to that village where he was, where he grew up, where he didn't have anything. He sort of created a mini economy there where he has a supermarket, a farm, propane gas company, a cement block factory, and women's clothing. It's sort of like everything you would need for running a little (laughs) society. So just giving people jobs and sponsoring, you know, good things in that area. And when Vlad Jr. was 16 years old and going off to play in the minor leagues, I mean, can you imagine sending your 16-year-old kid, like, off somewhere just to, you know, you're, you're going to work now? I cannot. So he sent grandma. So Vlad Sr. sent his mom he with sent Vlad grandma Jr. off to work. Oh, no. With, to, oh, sort chaperone, of, chaperone. Sort of. Yeah, like to cook for him and take care of him. And we've talked about that before. And we got to put this link back into this New York Times article with what grandma has done for so many players at this point and making them feel at home. But back in the day when Vlad Jr. was in the minor leagues, she was cooking for him and his roommate. And it it made a difference. You know, it makes you feel more comfortable if you have grandma there cooking for you. And you can afford food and a place to live, which is not the case in a lot of minor leagues. Absolutely. And Vlad Jr. even noticed that with his teammates. And he found out the ones who had babies who are like struggling to make ends meet because they're supporting a family. And he bought them baby clothes because he did have the money. So even though he grew up with means, he still has that connection The best thing I think about him is that photo with his dad where he's in the little teeny Expos uniform and he's doffing his cap next to his big dad. And, you know, it's just poetic that one day he got up there. He also gets boyfriend points for being a do-gooder. Do-gooder? Yeah, that's it. it. Okay, I got it right. Well, the first time. Nice work. (laughs) And then I fucked it up. But he (laughs) and his dad uh, signed their rookie training cards together, which is really kind of cute. One is a little older than the other. And then they got uh, given to an organization to help kids with cancer to sell them for raising money. So Vlad Jr. does good in so many ways. My guy. My guy, we have been calling Boba Fett ever since we saw him play in the 2018 Futures game. And I thought it was timely in that the new Star Wars movie just came out days ago that we talk about Boba Fett, otherwise known as Bo Bichette, the shortstop, 22 years old for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was born in Orlando and was named for Bo Jackson. Oh, that's Bo to, does everything kind that's of. That's Bo knows. That's Bo right. Knows, yeah. Bo knows. And, and, you know, so if. For those of you who don't remember, baseball (laughs) and football in this case. He is also the son of an all-star. His dad, Dante Bichette, was a a four-time all-star with the Rockies. 
And in 2013, he was the Rockies hitting coach. And so Bo spent the whole summer hanging out in the clubhouse and taking batting practice with the guys in the majors. How cool is that? Right. That's got to give you a little bit of a leg up, Mm -hmm. right? He was homeschooled. You don't hear that a lot with the guys we talk about in the major leagues. He was homeschooled, but although he played for kind of prestigious like Florida travel teams that had like national recognition and all of that, he wanted the experience of playing for a high school. So they, he got on his local public high school's baseball team, which wasn't very good. I mean, he could have gone to like the academies that we've talked Mm -hmm. about, like, like Lindor went to, you know, one of those Florida academies and all of that. Didn't want to, could have gone to a private school. Didn't want to. He wanted to go to the nearby public school and just get the experience of being on a team with the guys from the neighborhood. And he was, did he go to prom? He, um, no, he went to baseball games pretty much only, I think, but he, he was so good and everybody could see that he was going places that even guys on the opposing teams would come over and take pictures with him to prove that they (laughs) played against him when they were, you know, 17 years old or 18 years old. So he was drafted in the second round by the Blue Jays in the 2016 draft. And he says that he actually turned down four other offers in order to go to Toronto. So it could have been that he would have been drafted in the first round. And there was an article that said these are all the other teams that he worked out for, like that he did, you know, kind of basically, you know, the the baseball version of an audition. I'm going to do a workout with this team and with that team. And there were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. Do you know why Toronto, though? Like what? I don't. Just, maybe, I don't know. With maybe the other like offspring there. Like he wanted to be with Guerrero and Gurria, other like second gen players, right? Biggio, Biggio mm-hmm. of all those guys. Yep. He also played for the um, the World Baseball Classic. He played with um, with Brazil because his mom is Brazilian, so he was able to do that. Wow, that's super cool. Right? He could right? hang out with Young Gomes, and he also his grandmother is Chinese. So there's a very interesting combination wow. of bloodlines going through him. And that's, I think he's a nice looking, interesting looking guy. And this kind of explains part of it. And he also has some nice flow. Oh, such flow. Such flow. Okay, back back, back to the world. Okay, hi. Um, in 2017, mm-hmm. he led all of the minor leagues, all levels of minor leagues with a 362 batting average. His debut was in, was this past season. And, you know, after... Vlad Jr., he was the next one that people were waiting for, right? And mm-hmm. so right after the All-Star break, July 29th, 2019, was um, was uh, Bo Bichette. I almost called him Boba Fett again. It was Bo, B- <laughs> Bo Bichette's <laughs> debut. We're going to do that. Yeah, I know. It's so true. <laughs> uh, it's so true. Mm-hmm. So his very first major league hit was on the second pitch that was ever thrown to him in the major leagues. And his first home run was two days later as one hit of a three-hit game. So he started with a bang, wow. and then the records started to fall. He was the first player to have 10 extra base hits in his first nine games. He holds the major league record for doubles because he doubled in nine straight games. He was um, the first rookie with extra base hits in nine straight games since Ted Williams. That's a name I like. It is a name you like. That's his, impressive. His OPS for this first season was 930. That's gigantic. He has the second highest OPS plus. And hold your questions. We're going to talk about that when we get to the stats section. His second highest OPS plus of 114 by a rookie shortstop with at least 200 plate appearances behind Tatis Jr. He was my guy right? last year. Who I miss. I'm and gonna miss him. This just happened a few weeks ago that it was leaked out probably on purpose to show what a nice guy Bo is is that the Blue Jays were looking at shortstop free agents, but 
he's a shortstop. And he's like, don't worry, sign that guy. I'll play anywhere. So he's like, and try and put the team ahead of himself. Uh, there's there is suspicion that the guy might have been Didi. Who right? did not sign Who did them. not sign mm-hmm. there, but but um Bichette was ready to say, I will I'll put I'll play wherever you want me to play. If you can get that guy, get that guy. Which was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So he only played 46 games in the 2019 season, yet he had 11 home runs and he ended up with a 311 batting average. And you know, he's another kid that came from privilege, right? His dad was a four-time, right. you know, all-star. And he said, my dad always told me, don't let anybody outwork you. So I don't. Every day, I just keep working. I don't know if it'll all translate, but at least you can live with yourself when it's all said and done. So I like the work ethic. I like that he saw what hard work can do and not just the rewards. Mm-hmm. You know, he saw this. It's not like, ooh, shiny things. It was, I see how you get there. You have to work hard to get what you want. And I appreciate that about Boba Shet or Boba Fett. On shot first. It seems like that's what our two Toronto guys have in common, that they both had dads that really made him work. I mean, Vlad Sr. definitely did that with his kids. They did not cruise on their privilege. Yay, dads. We are going to San Diego. We keep saying that. We don't do it. I know. I would love to. Hey, Padres friends out there, we would love to come visit. Y'all are just so far away. But in the meantime, we're going to drool over your players. And I had to choose Eric Hosmer, because Maria Eaton, whose uh, Twitter handle is that Hosgirl underscore one, is just one of the nicest friendly faces on Twitter, who always has sort of good things to say about us. So we appreciate you. And she supports Hosmer, Hosmer so I'm going to do this for her. So so I'm not stealing him. I'm just borrowing him from for an episode and giving you a little bit more information about it, which you're you actually might... borrowing him for a season, but it's yeah. not exclusive. Oh, it's totally not exclusive. Yeah. No, you you definitely have first rights to him and I'm hoping that I have a little bit of information here that will make you love him even more because I have totally grown to love him. He's on first base. He's 30 years old. And the first thing that made me realize that he had to be my guy and not your guy, dear Patty, is that there was a Players' Tribune uh, article, and it was sort of like a fill-in-the-blank thing. And one of the -the fill-in-the-blanks was, if I was MLB commissioner for a day, I would. And he said, put the DH in the NL. And I'm a happy DH person, and you're not so much. Yeah, see, if the the guy that I want is the one who answered, who fills in that blank with, would pay a living wage to minor league players. All right. Well, that's not like make up this whole, here's this fake position (laughs) that I want to endorse so that I still have a job in five years. So that, well, I think there's something to that, you know, give good hitters more time hitting and let everybody benefit. So I am totally behind that Hosmer. The other cool blank that I think he filled (laughs) was uh, the best band, which was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, he is old like us. Yeah. So I was feeling kind of optimistic. And then I looked up his walk on song and it's, so not Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's Fat Joe's all the way up. I listened to it. Wasn't a huge fan, but I'm going to stick with the chili, chili Peppers thing. What I like about him is the attitude, is the spirit, that he was really brought in to be a clubhouse leader, to be a positive guy. He's really well-liked, and he came from the Royals, where he did that really well. And I think that's something important that he's going to be bringing to the Padres in hopefully this really important season coming up. He comes from sort of humble beginnings. His mom was is Cuban and she's a nurse and his dad's a firefighter. Actually, his dad's retired. So his dad was a firefighter. And they grew up in Miami, near Miami. And 
he took to baseball at a very early age and his parents really did everything that he they could to get him that playtime, to get him those opportunities. He grew up a Yankees fan, but I'm going to excuse him for that. But he was a high school phenomenon and really well noticed. And he was in the 07 USA Baseball 18 and under team. Uh, he ended up being a Attracted by Boris. Attracted to? No, not attracted to. Boris was attracted by his high school stress. He's a Boris guy, so he's going to make money. I'm going to just stop there. Um, Uh He could have gone to Arizona State on a full scholarship, but he turned it down because he was a first-round draft pick in 08 by the Royals. Royals. Third pick overall. And I guess they had uh, some issues ironing out the details, and they actually signed the contract 10 minutes before the deadline. But he got a record signing bonus at that point. So whoever, I guess Boris was negotiating for him. Nice job, Boris. He made it to the Futures game in 2010. And then he was with the Royals from 11 to 17. And in that time, he got four gold gloves, one silver slugger. He was an all-star in 2016. And of course, made it to the World Series in both 2014 and then 2015 when they won it. And this is the thing that I think he's bringing to the Padres, is that experience of being on a team that everybody wrote off and said it was a fluke that they made the the World Series in 2014, yet they went back and won in 15. And I think the Padres have that kind of vibe, and Hosmer can hopefully make that kind of difference. One other thing that really drew me to him is the way he liked to celebrate. So in the in 2014, in that World Series run, the Royals swept the Angels in the ALDS, and he tweeted that he was going to be celebrating at a bar. And then when everybody showed up to celebrate with him, he bought an hour of free drinks. So that is my kind of guy. That is using some powers for good, for sure. Absolutely. In 2015, he hit the tying run in the bottom of the ninth of Game 5, which was the winning game for the Royals. When he switched to the Padres, he couldn't keep his number. I'm not quite sure why, but the number that he chose was number 30 for Jordanos Ventura, who is the the pitcher for the Royals who was killed. And we talked about last week when I was talking about Jorge Soler, who I chose for the Royals now. And apparently Hosmer was very close to him. And even on his last birthday, he tweeted, happy birthday, little bro. Oh. So there's something yeah. very sweet that he's still able to wear that number. So that has a lot of meaning to him. Um, he played for the United States in the 2017 World Baseball Classic, which, as y'all know, they won. And I didn't know that there was an all-world baseball classic team. So I guess at the the end of the classic, they picked like the best player for each position. And there were five of those players were from Puerto Rico and three from the United States. We've talked about that before. That doesn't make any sense, that division, but go ahead. Uh, So Hosmer was one of those three. The other two were Christian Yelich, your former boyfriend, and Marcus Stroman, the pitcher. Uh, there was also a guy, a Dutch guy who was Curacao born, one from the DR, one from Japan, and one from Israel. And that rounded out the all-world baseball classic team. With his first couple of years of the Padres, I guess he hasn't been stellar. It seems like mixed reviews, but there's that clubhouse vibe, and he is on the upswing. So I think that's going well. He is not married, but very hitched with Casey McDowell. Very hitched. Yeah. Well, very like together. Like it looks, yeah, they're steps away. All right. They're steps away. I guess they had a breakup and got back together. Okay. She 
was a Nesson reporter. Yeah. That's the Red Sox station. Sure it is. So she was reporting on the Red Sox back then, and now she's with Fox Nation. So power to them. I saw sources say that they're an adorable couple. And so if I can say the word adorable, we're all happy. Do we get to drink when you say it not in a sports context? Because you, usually it's punitive, but now it can just be a reward. Cheers. Yeah, I think a reward. Right. I need more beer. Oh, I'm going to um, need more beer too. <laughs> so the the cool thing, though, is this this future. So he when he signed with the Padres, he was a record-breaking contract. He was eight years, $144 million. We all know that Manny Machado broke that. But between him and Machado and Tatis Jr., there's this like solid, and those are the uniform models right there. Yeah. So there's this solid base for the future. And you're going to tell us that the Padres have a lot more going on. My other personal connection to him is he's buddies with Carlos Asuaje, who is my first Padres boyfriend, who I'm guessing Padres fans don't feel as excited about as I do. They started a gaming company together, which of course is not, you know, not exactly my thing, but I'm trying to find the good and it, it helped Aswake when he went to Korea. So maybe they're gaming for good. And and Hosmer's Twitter feed is full of lots of good stuff. He supports, you know, Strikeout Against Cancer, Hats Off to Vets, California Strong, you know, you name it. And he's tweeting positive things. I like the sound of that. So something weird happened this week. There have been times where we've had four Venezuelan boyfriends or four Dominican boyfriends. Right. We have two Canadian boyfriends. That is weird. Josh Naylor, actually Joshua hyphen Douglas, James Naylor. Joshua Douglas is his first name, James Naylor. I've heard of hyphenated last names. He goes by Josh, and I'm grateful. So Josh Mm -hmm. Naylor is only 22 and currently right field for the Padres. So he grew up um, in a suburb of Toronto. And they say he was born with skates on. He and his family, his brothers, were all hockey players. And I... Love that, of course, because I can cross-train and talk about a boyfriend at the same time. He says he led his hockey league in penalty minutes, but was pretty high up on goals, too. He is a big guy, so his hits were big. He said, they weren't dirty hits. It's just that I was so big, they went flying. Uh, Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah, I'm sticking with that Mm -hmm. one. Um, His favorite team is not the Leafs. I thought it was going to be the Leafs because he grew up outside of Toronto. No, it's the Washington Capitals. And I'm here for that. And that's all I really needed to know I about, drink to that. about Josh Naylor. But there is so much more. He played for um, when he moved just to baseball. He played for Canada's national 18 and under team at 15. That's way under He 18. was a child and they won silver and, you know, in, in the world. He um, also played for Canada in that same um, World Baseball Classic that we've been talking about, that 2017 World Baseball Classic. He was drafted by the first ra- in the first round by the Marlins in 2015 with a $2.25 million signing bonus out of high school. So another high school pick. Another high school pick. Excuse me. Cheers. He was drafted 12th overall, which was the highest ever for a Canadian position player. Right. His brother Noah was drafted by Cleveland in the first round 2018. But Cleveland was a much better team. So their draft pick was later. So he was not able to beat his brother's record. The fun thing for him was that his debut, his major league debut, was actually against the Blue Jays at Rogers Center. Coming home. This was May of this past season, May 2019. And he had played there actually many times before in the various, like the national teams and junior teams and travel stuff. He'd been there a lot. And his parents said, this feels very strange. It's exciting, but 
they've they've been to Rogers Center a lot, and you know, rooting for the Jays. And now here comes their son playing against them, and they had to like you know change their whole mindset. But it <laughs> was awesome, pretty darn exciting for them. So the Padres have a lot of outfielders right now. They have a glut of outfielders. So he's kind of competing for starting in left or center right now. So we're not sure how that's going to go. There may be a lot of platooning happening in the Padres outfield this season, but. He came came up and went back down a couple of times, and the last time he came up was when Reyes was traded to Cleveland, and so he came up to to fill in for them. He is apparently very chill and quiet and kind of like hanging with his, his headphones on and stuff when he's off the field, but as soon as he goes on the field, ball of energy emerges, and apparently... Um, he when he hits a home run, everyone has to take cover because his home run celebrations and actually this started when he was playing on that Canadian national team. There's actually a YouTube video of him throwing his helmet celebr- like towards the dugout celebrating this home run that he hit um, against Japan. I believe it was. No, no, it was Team USA in Japan. Um, wow. So his first home run that he hit with the Padres, he ran over to the dugout, pulled his helmet off with both hands and whacked it to the ground and then went down. He's yelling and screaming and high-fiving everybody and really excited. And Hunter Renfro, who was still a Padre at the time, quietly picked up his helmet and started putting Band-Aids on it. Because apparently, yeah. That's took adorable. a little damage. His second home run, he was celebrating pretty hard and inadvertently whacked Fran Mil Reyes pretty hard. Knocked him over. But they're still friends. There were hugs and apologies. So now when he um, when he hits a home run, people start putting on protective gear, you know, like face masks and shin guards and covering up their heads with their hoodies. Anything they can do to protect their parts, because here comes Josh Naylor with a celebration. Hosmer, your boyfriend, says he is is full of energy and passion as if he's like playing football. He said, you see the passion he plays with and it fires you up as a teammate. And I like that about him a lot. And this is for you, Potty Mouth. He says his favorite player is David Ortiz. Ah, oh, how much better he can get. So the Padres have a lot going for them. Hey, Padres fans, this is going to be a fun, fun team to watch. They got you know? my Tommy Fam now. I mean, it's, it really is. They've got a yeah, hell of a team right now. You know, I might repeat my pick. So Major League Baseball revenues are going up. I don't know what all this panic is with pace of play stuff and minor league team cuts, but for the 17th, that's 1-7, 17th year in a row, there is record growth in revenues, and they're up to $10.7 million, up from ten point three last year. And this has to do with media rights, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, something is might be happening to increase this number with Fox and ESPN deals, plus... They're getting Nike on their uniforms next year. So they're getting money for that, too. So are the owners' pockets big enough to hold all this money? Just what the fuck, really? I mean, I tweeted today that I had a list of where this money should go, starting with not cutting the 42 minor league teams. I mean, point blank, don't do that. Seems like you could afford to play li- pay living wages. I know that the major league minimum is half a million dollars. And nobody's asking for that. They're just asking for a living wage for minor league. Seems like that's affordable. Yeah. And just to keep those teams going and all those jobs surrounding it. The other things I had on my list of what MLB could do with this money is to uh, promote 
diversity, sort of like reach out to populations that normally don't get to play baseball, and then make baseball inclusive for all genders. Now on those issues, MLB actually is making some steps in 2020. So I want to give them some cred for that. They are doing an MLB tour where they're going to reach out to underserved communities, to inner cities, and look for boys and girls, boys and girls there who might be interested in baseball. They have a new girls initiative beyond what we've talked about before, which were the Breakthrough Series and the Trailblazer Series. They're going to have a one-week girls baseball elite development invitational where they're looking for girls who are handpicked for a week of elite training. Beyond that, MLB is investing cross borders. There's going to be play at ball events all over the U.S. and Puerto Rico. And I hate saying that phrase. It like just makes me crazy. <laughs> Puerto Rico is part of the U.S., but go figure. Dominican Republic, Mexico, Canada, all over Asia, more stuff. Plus, they are focusing some of their homegrown di- um, development on diversity. They have the Dream Series, Breakthrough Series, Hank Aaron Invitational. They're reaching out to populations that don't have the access to all of those travel games and all the equipment costs that a lot of kids are doing these days when they really specialize in baseball early. So yay, I'm going to be on that. But, you know, also put the money toward the minor leagues would be a nice thing. We've always said that math may or may not be our strong suit at any given time, but I think we can totally do this math and help you spend that money. It shouldn't just be sitting in your pockets. Absolutely. There's a lot of good that can be done. I mentioned a statistic called OPS Plus, and we've been giving you sort of a tutorial on some stats that you hear so you understand what they mean because they're not all obvious. We have talked about OPS before. I'm not going to quiz you this time because you've been drinking and so have I. Remember, OPS is your on-base percentage. Plus slugging. That I, there I do we remember go. OPS. Right. That, okay. that part, you know, you get into the, we're going to be getting into more advanced stuff and then I'll get lost. But right now I'm with you. So I like the plus part of this a lot. So when you add the plus sign at the end of OPS, what you get is that on, that on base plus slugging adjusted for external factors like ballparks. For instance, people always say like when you play and, you know, with the Rockies, Rockies, right, you know, the ball flies Mm -hmm. out of the park. There are parks known as pitcher parks and parks known as hitters parks. So if that's your home ballpark, your numbers are going to be skewed based on that. Yeah. And actually, the Padres, who we were just talking about, they're like the second lowest for home runs. So there is this there is a mathematical equation that. That puts together sort of like these externals, the, the ballparks have to be like dimensions and altitude and all that stuff. And then they they work the numbers so that the number 100 is the league average. So if your OPS plus is more than 100, that's how much better than average you are. Or if it's less, that's how below average you are. So if you remember before, Beau Bichette had 114 as his OPS plus. Plus, oh, as so that's very a rookie, good. so that's very good. He was that much better than average as a rookie with 200 plate appearance, uh, plate appearances. Now, those ballpark factors, we hear about those a lot, and here's how those are figured out. There's actually a numerical way to adjust for ballparks, and it's kind of cool. So it's done by what team you're on. Okay, so first you take the runs scored. In your home park, not just by you, but any team that's playing you. So so say Nats Park. All games played in Nats Park. Okay. What's the total number of runs scored? And then you take 
the Nationals' road schedule. And you add the total number of runs scored in each of those games when they're on the road. Again, it's the Nats plus whoever they played, right? And then, so you take the runs scored in your home park divided by runs scored at the away games. And that tells you how easy it is to score in one ballpark versus another. So that's how you would adjust for Nats Park is the total number of runs scored at Nats Park over the season versus the Nats and whoever they played in away parks. I over think the season. like a sincere aspect of growing the game is going to be to get high school math courses to integrate ah, this math right? because it makes sense. Like, yeah, it's stuff they're doing anyway. That's right. Do and baseball math. That's right. So if you're going to figure out fractions and percentages and all of that, do it in a way that makes sense. So when the, when you hear ballpark factors, that is the math that is being done. I'm going to go south to a warmer place. Because after all that math, we need a vacation. I need totally. That's so much. It. Yeah, or at least I need a drink. Let's talk about winter baseball. You have so. a drink. I see you doing all right. it. It's not empty yet, though. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to talk about winter baseball because baseball in the winter means baseball in warm places. And I, a couple of episodes ago, go back I picked one team that I am predicting to win in each winter league country. So I'm trying to keep honest about this. Uh, when we talked about Venezuela, we had said that there were no MLB players who were going to be playing in Venezuela this year because of the upheaval and the violence that happened with the, the contention in the government there. I mean, basically what happened was another guy claimed himself president over Maduro. The United States recognized the other guy and Maduro stayed in power. And apparently this has stayed the same situation. But Maduro as far as I've heard from my South American connections, is the one who's actually in power. And that is the Chavez in inheritor who is communist, socialist, whatever you want to call it, but basically has done a huge amount of damage to Venezuela at that point. I think that point part is really difficult to debate. So the United States is against that government, supporting this other guy. And at this point, they're allowing... MLB players to go down and play for January, which I that's was thinking. New, right? That's new. And this new. is totally new. And I got this from Con Las Bases Llenas. Thanks, guys. And they said that they're going down, but they can only play in six out of the eight teams. And so then I started poking around to figure out why. So they're playing in six out of eight teams. They're not allowed to play in Tigres de Aragua, which is Mar Maracay, or Navegantes de Ma Magallanes, which is in Valencia, which actually the province is called Carabobo, which means stupid face. Which I just <laughs> is not. Yeah, Cara, is not. Cara's face, Bobo is stupid. So I was like, you really want to live in a place called stupid face. Go figure. Anyway, MLB players are not allowed to play in stupid face. And not only are they not allowed to play for the stupid <laughs> face team, but they're not allowed to play for in games at the Stupid Face Stadium. So if they're playing in another team in the Venezuelan League, when they go to the two prohibited places, they can't play. So I'm thinking, what's wrong with these two cities? Is it violence or what's happening? So I called my friend uh, uh, Santiago in Ecuador, and he said those two teams are um, connected to, the, to Maduro. So that... The connection is enough for the U.S. to not want MLB players to be there. So it's not it doesn't sound like it's a safety issue. It it's sounds like threat. it's a political statement right. that those two cities are too Maduro controlled to have U.S. players be there. So when people say stick to sports, <laughs> how 
because clearly everything is interrelated. Yeah. Right. We've talked about economics. We're talking about world politics. You can't really separate them out completely. Yeah. And poor Venezuela. Apparently, there's no good choice. Like neither president is good news. So. I am sad about that. Um, Nicaragua, actually, politically, probably not doing a lot more better. More better? better. I'm I'm at the end of this beer. But their season is over, their their actual regular season. And I picked Tigres de Chinandega because they had an ace pitcher named Atahualpa, and I just thought that was really cool. And they made it to the semifinals. Yeah, good work. Yeah, well, three out of their four teams made it to the semifinals. You didn't have to add that part. You sounded but, super impressive a minute ago. So far, my pick is going well. Now you're just not wrong. <laughs> my, my, my pick in the Dominican Republic has also made it to the semifinals with a little bit of better odds. And that's the Leones del Escogido. And we were watching them right about to the time when we were recording. And they were losing slightly against the Toros del Este. I don't so like that. We'll see what happened. But I got to see Carlos Asuaje play, which is super fun. Plus, it, there's a whole bunch of Padres out there for Frenchy Cordero is playing on the team. And uh, just a little bit of a note on the DR League. Tigres de Licea has also made the semifinals. And on that is my boyfriend from last week, from the Reds, Aristides Aquino, who hit a home run the day after we recorded. Because that's what he does. He hits the home runs. Yeah. And that's why he's my pick. He's my guy. The last winter baseball update I'm going to give is the Women's League in Puerto Rico, which I... I remember them. I can't believe I feel so bad that I forgot about it while they were actually playing because their season just ended. And the the their season championship was the Artisans Against the Poets. So I think they have a little bit of work to do on the names of the I, Women's League. I feel League. the aggression. I yeah. really do. Yeah, I'm afraid of those teams. Yeah, the They're Artisans very won. Well, poetry is kind of intimidating for me, but yeah, no, right. never mind. Well, yeah. And that's it. That is my winter baseball wrap up. You can catch all the deets in our show notes. And uh, I'm trying to keep honest. So I will definitely follow up with my picks and let you know how well I did. We're going into holidays, my friends. So during the week, we'll be celebrating Hanukkah. We'll be celebrating Christmas. We'll be celebrating a lot. And if you do listen to the show the day it drops, really, that's the best thing you can do on, you know, a, a holiday? It is. Really? It is. I sure. Th- I think share it is with too. your family. I think it's a good pick. When we are not driving hundreds of miles mm-hmm. in different directions or um, celebrating with our families, we will be doing a little bit of boyfriend research because next week... Between these holidays and the New Year's, we will be doing some research and telling you about boyfriends from Seattle and also the Rockies. It seems soon for the Rockies, but it's not. Oh, I need help with Seattle and the Rockies. If anybody can help me, please send me a DM somewhere. What other season's coming up soon? Spring training. I have been remiss in not doing the spring training countdown, but right now it is 51 days, 6 hours, 20 minutes, and a matter of seconds until spring training. That's like no time. That's got to be for pitchers and catchers, right? Yeah, that's pitchers and catchers. But that's the first like cool thing. Yeah, no, it totally is. Totally is. Yay, I can't wait. Um, Folks should try to find us on social media, I think, in the meantime, yeah? You totally should. Help me out on Twitter. Find us at NCIB Podcast there. Facebook and Instagram is No Crying and B-Ball, and that's where we are on the web, nocryingandbball.com. Please tell your friends about us. As Potty Mouth said, give the gift of no crying in baseball for your holiday gift giving needs. And until next week, say goodnight. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas, Potty Mouth. Good night. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas, Potty Mouth. (laughs) 